Hello and welcome back to the Injured to Lead podcast with your host, me, Dr. David Meyer, dream coach and performance physical therapist. Do you have a challenge that stands in the way of your dreams? Well, then this podcast is for you. In episode number 20, you're going to hear about mind-altering experiences and the use of psychedelics in the pursuit of high performance. John, welcome back to the show. Certainly happy to be back. Uh, congratulations on your 20th show. That is amazing. Way to stick with it. Thank you. You've been a huge part of it. And I thank you for pushing me to take it this far and couldn't have asked for a better episode 20. Lighten up the mood a little bit. Yeah. Kind of a, a cool topic. And I'm just going to put this as a quick little disclaimer. We're not suggesting anybody go out there and, and do any kind of recreational drugs. We're just talking about our experiences. And just to give you some insight, um, I just want to lead off by making this point in the, term, in the world of baseball, marijuana has been a very hot topic. And I know that's not specifically a psychedelic, but, or is it considered a psychedelic? It is. So marijuana is a psychedelic. But for a long time, it's been banned in the minor leagues. Crazy. A lot of people don't realize recreational drugs are not tested for as a part of the collective bargaining agreement in a major league baseball player or a 40-man roster player. However, for a minor league contracted player, they are tested for recreational drugs in addition to the performance-enhancing drugs that they test for in the major league players. However, recently, and I might say this a little bit off, but over the last year, they overturned that, and now minor league baseball players are no longer tested for marijuana. In baseball, I can tell you it's a rampant drug that's used. It could be for a lot of reasons. One reason can be the grind of the season or just the escape. But, John, why do you think elite athletes and performers have such an affinity towards the use of psychedelics? Most of these high performers think they're going to find their self-worth and their happiness when they succeed in their given sport or their given activity. And we talked about a lot of people in these pursuits are addicted to video games. A lot are turned to alcohol and drugs. And, you know, I, I think one of the reasons is because they have never learned to really turn inside and you know, get comfortable with themselves. But, you know, that's something we've been talking about since episode number one is keeping people directed with a vision, with a passion, you know? So I think what happens is a lot of people, as you're pursuing something and you're not actively pursuing it, you're not practicing or going there, people who are imaginative and creative, we tend to venture down other ways. You know, we're not scared to try new things. So <laughs> I think that's one of the things that could have led to some of my downfalls is my lack of fear of trying new things. But in general, I think people with, it, with passionate people are going to find themselves trying things like that. You know, and just quickly, what you're saying about marijuana, well, oh, it's becoming legal everywhere. And let's face it, marijuana is a hell of a lot less dangerous than alcohol. You just do not hear the problems. Alcohol is involved in every episode on cops. It is really one of the worst things we can do to our body. And you know what else? I believe alcohol just is an instant disconnector from life. You know, as soon as you start drinking, it is a depressant and it is a poison for our bodies. You know, we have to deal with it. So let's jump into it with your experience, John. Tell me about your first trip. 
But definitely my first experience with anything as far as beyond the alcohol and marijuana world was in college. And that was the first time I sort of got exposed to, you know, specifically to acid mushrooms and, you know, really acid mushrooms were the two sort of drugs of choice back when I was in college, you know, and I'm a lot older. So there weren't, you know, thank God, none of these designer drugs were available back then, because who knows what would have happened then. You know, so the first time someone asked me if I wanted to try it, again, you know, I was sort of a very, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're invincible, right? So I did it. And we, we, you know, it was just your fun college trips and everybody would have a good time. You see all the lights and have fun. But there was really no thinking going on. And we enjoyed that for a while. And then I don't know what happened. But one night on a mushroom trip at college, I went to a different place and I really started questioning life. Mostly, why are all these people alive? What's going on here? Trying to question the reasons of life. And that really was one of the first times where I sort of went into a deeper level of thinking. Like, there's got to be something else here than just college parties and trying to get by. But in a way, at that point, too, it made, it made this psychedelic experience a lot more, a lot scarier also. Because now you're going into deep thought, you're questioning, you know, why you're here, why things are going. So I think, in a way, psychedelics at the right level can really bring you to deeper levels of thought, deeper levels of experience. And, you know, I definitely tried to not do as many and then surfing on mushrooms in Tortola. And I've had experiences of doing acid during different kinds of sports and it can be an incredible experience if you're doing something while you're doing it, but most of the time it leads to deep thinking for me, so I have to be careful. <laughs> and what about that experience you started telling me about earlier when you were in Las Vegas? I want to hear it. All right. This was the, this was the experience where I think, you know, if, if I saw God or I saw the other side or I, you know, I did see the light in this one, after college, I'd moved, out to, I'd moved out to California, and some of the people who lived near me were real Grateful Dead heads, and they loved going to Grateful Dead shows. So we started going to Grateful Dead shows, and we ended up going to this Grateful Dead show. We drove all the way to Las Vegas, and we went to a Grateful Dead show that was 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the blazing sun in the Las Vegas desert, and we all thought it would be a good idea to take some acid. This ended up not being a great idea. So I'm sitting in the show, the stereo or the speaker system wasn't working quite right. And David, suddenly I felt like I was at some sort of, I don't know, satanic something. I just, I don't know if it was satanic as much as I just did not want to be there. These were not my people. I did not feel like I belonged there and I had to get out. And I said to Barry, who was with me, I said, she wasn't my wife. I said, you know, I got to get out of here. You know, and she said, okay, well, I'll go with you. So she, we took my hand, we started walking up the stairs and we're in this huge, huge stadium. And you know, they have those tubes that get you out of the stadium when you go up a couple of stairs and then you go out into the concourse. And I looked down the first one, people lying on both sides and it looked like walking into hell. All I could say was, I looked at Barry and I'm like, I ain't going down that one. And she's like, all right, I'm not either. And so she was seeing it too. And we, we make it down the next one. We make it out to the parking lot. We make it out toward my car. And I look out into the desert and I want to go out there. 
but I didn't realize the entire stadium was surrounded by a drainage ditch swamp full of cat's tails and all. I mean, it was probably, I don't even know how many hundreds of yards it was, but this is where the experience really started to happen. So as I took Barry's hand, she let go of me and I apparently said, you know, you need God to go any further here. To, to look back on it, it was very clear. I remember everything from this trip, yet obviously I wasn't thinking clearly. Anyway, so I head into this swamp and it basically stops me physically. And, and I'm just thinking, okay, I need to get to the other side. And at this point, now I'm kind of having a struggle inside, like I want to leave my body, kind of this out of body, like I know there's my body, but then I know there's this other part of me. And the other part of me wants out of the body. And I'm letting go of all my earthly things, all my friends, all my family, all my belongings, just saying, take me now. I'm ready to go. And there were a few times where I just felt myself entering the light, like so close. And I felt like, man, just a little bit more, I'm going to go shooting into this light. And that's the only way I can really put it because it was white. And then I'd keep getting pulled back in. And as I get pulled back in, I continued my physical struggle to make it across this swamp, you know, basically diving onto these cat's tails and climbing a little ways and diving and climbing and diving and climbing. Well, I make it all the way to the other side of the swamp and apparently did not leave my body during that time. And I get out the other side of the swamp and I'm like, now what? You know, so I start walking. And I see these trucks driving up this mountain. And I had no idea what it was, but my mind was telling me I got to get up there to where those trucks are going. And I walk 10 miles through the Las Vegas desert, and I end up getting arrested for trespassing at the Las Vegas City landfill in the top of this mountain by some Rambo wannabe cop. So I get up there. He puts me in handcuffs. I remember his car started to roll, too. Now, now I'm coming down off this trip. However, I'm very clear what I just saw. I'm very clear that that was not the kind of place I wanted to be. I love the Grateful Dead. You know, it was just this situation on this particular day in this particular situation. And so the, the police come up to arrest me. And they all come up and they look at me and I'm covered in mud and blood. They're just, I'm, I'm ripped to shreds. And, but they look at me and they're like, well, what happened? They're like, yeah, it was the drugs, huh? I'm like, well, yeah, it might have had something to do with it, but I was definitely, I was seeing that situation at a very clear level and I didn't want to be there. And so they, they tell me, they're like, well, we don't want to arrest you. If, if, we, if we put you in our car, we have to arrest you. So how can you get out of here? And I said, well, can you call me a cab? And they're like, well, there's no cabs coming, no cabs coming up here to the landfill. So I reach into my pocket and I've got, 600 my wallet 600 dollars in the keys to a bmw m5 which is the only car still at the concert who i drove four people there with and so they give me a phone i call my wife the guy who arrests me ends up giving me a ride back to my car i think i gave him 100 bucks and uh i made it back to the hotel and barry sort of bathed me but you know i'll never forget how close to the light i was and i was like take me now god i'm done so there was something that happened during that particular experience where I know there's something else on the other side. And, and I think I only did acid one more time after that trip. I was like, you know, maybe that was a little bit too much. Now, ayahuasca has interested me and other ones. And, but 
as soon as I really started getting deep into my metaphysical life and deep into meditation and deep into places I go when I do the harmony, you know, I don't need to go there by psychedelics anymore. I, I go there, I get so present and so in the moment that it, it's not, it's not something I need anymore, but you know, they were all great experiences. I have no regrets. Well, I can't really follow up with a story like that. <laughs> That's well, not many people can. <laughs> I, I would say on the other side, that light might've been finding your wife, Barry, to put up with that. Yeah, that was for sure. You know, but I have heard another couple experiences we had. Barry and I went out to California. I mean, went out to Hawaii for one of our first trips and someone gave us some, some brownies and they were very strong. And I, and I know that you have a story about. I, I you know, I'll do a quick summary of mine. And so I'm not, you know, I've, I've dabbled with marijuana. It's never been my thing. I just, I don't know. It's my personality. I, I'm always go, go, go. But my experience, I had a student at the time in the physical therapy clinic I was at in Los Angeles. It's all legal. And we were celebrating at California Pizza Kitchen. And there was, there was a particular employee that came out with us that was kind of had a little bit of a reputation of enjoying the psychedelics. And she handed me a gummy. And while I was getting handed the gummy, I kind of had some CBD before. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. My cousin uses it for pain, for fibromyalgia. Yeah, whatever. Even if it's got some THC, how bad can it be? Well, I, <laughs> I sat down. I quickly took it, not even thinking twice. And I order my pizza. We're at a, a long table, and I'm sitting across from my colleagues. And 20 minutes goes by. My food comes nice, you know, fresh California pizza, pizza kitchen pie, and I stuff it down. And then all of a sudden, you know, I didn't feel an effect until it hit my esophagus midway. I'm feeling it go down each ring. And I think it must, I don't know if sativa or indica or high type of thing. All of a sudden, my visual field rocked like the pirate ship at the amusement park. It went 90 degrees, 90 degrees. And then the trip started. My heart rate went up. My blood pressure went up. I thought I was for sure having a heart attack. I thought, you know, I was moving, you know, they, I thought I was walking in quicksand and people were like, no, you're okay. You don't look that bad. Um, and I was at the Century City Mall in Los Angeles and it's an architectural feat, that place. It's, it's beautiful, but it's also a maze. And so my now fiance went to pick, had to pick me up. And I, I couldn't figure my way out through there. I thought I was in New York on the drive home. I thought I was in Brooklyn, New York. And finally, we get home. Now, this was a 24-hour high. Slept it off. Still woke up tripping. No light or anything. You know, of course, it's not LSD. But we went to Joshua Tree, actually, the desert as well, like you, uh, for a styled shoot that my fiance was doing. And it lasted a full 24 hours. So long story short, not really interested in doing many uh, more edibles, but also it's not regulated that well. And I found out it was 25 milligrams of this thing called Cushy Punch. And it could have been 100 milligrams for all I know, because the people I was with were avid pot smokers and they were messed up. I mean, they were messed up. I was looking at them and I'm saying, well, I, I guess I should be feeling this way. So make, make a long story short. Uh, it, it can't compare to an LSD trip, though, I'm sure. No light or anything. Well, you'd be surprised. 
one thing with marijuana when you build up a you know a resistance to it you can end up taking a lot more when you just take it for the first time it can be as strong as almost anything especially edibles yeah so so john do you feel that your experience with psychedelics has been more experiential or has it had a long lasting imprint on your perspective in life and your spirituality that's a hard question i think all my experiences with everything you know except maybe drunken blackouts have had some lasting imprint well, even those have <laughs> let me take that back those have had some of the biggest lasting imprints on my perspective in life and i think you know they they definitely a lot of people say they open you up to that spiritual side so when people do ayahuasca who are just stuck in this world or stuck in ptsd suddenly they can be opened up to a different level of thinking because of the dmt and you know so i, I you know I, I don't really recommend sort of recreational drug use but i do think in the proper places and and done correctly some of these experiences can be very important for people i think a spiritual awakening is much more important you know people can sort of fake it with these drug experiences and then you find people getting addicted to ayahuasca because they think they're having spiritual experiences where they're not so if you can add it to the spiritual experience and not try to replace the spiritual experience with it, then all these things are for the good. As soon as it becomes the goal, then all this drug use becomes uh, detrimental. Wrapping up, for someone out there looking for maybe a safer mind-altering experience minus the drugs, how can they get there through spiritual practice? Well, they can get through spiritual or physical, you know, yoga practices, catching a good wave, and then learning how to deeply meditate and go into that inner place where, you know, that's where, that's where most of these drugs are trying to take you anyway. So uh, I think you can find it through meditation, through breathing exercises, through a, a real yoga practice, you know, some sort of martial art. There's all kinds of ways, but you got to do it. Yeah. And I, I just actually did my first Kundalini yoga session yesterday with Guru Singh uh, through a video, just a, his class. And the experience I get between meditation and trying the yoga practice and different things, I personally feel a longer lasting effect. I feel the endorphins and the good sensations there. It seems like the drugs are kind of the opposite. At times it's great in the moment, maybe bad in the moment, but then when you come off of that high, you're not feeling so great. You know, I mean, that's absolutely true because energetically you get worked and then a lot of these drugs are a poison. So now your body's got to deal with that poison and, and dealing with any poison is, is, is hard on your body, you know? Absolutely. And so just bring it home using mind-altering experiences to gain perspective. And for those out there that have maybe some negative habits or tendencies to escape their realities, maybe as an athlete, what's a good first step for them? Well, like we've been talking about forever, you know, try to have an open mind and to start trying stuff, to try to find that part of you. You know, we're really going through this whole, you know, this quarantine thing. Well, you see a lot of people are actually making the best of it. They're connecting with their families. They are starting to look inside. My numbers are up with the Harmony exercise use. I'm sure your podcast numbers are up. People are wanting to look inside themselves right now. So that's my takeaway. Keep looking inside yourself and make yourself happier today. Stay in the moment. All right, John. Well, thank you for sharing that fun episode, your psychedelics experiences. I'm sure we probably 
could uh, could talk more and sprinkle more in about the, some of those through the other episodes. But that that was cool. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep it light. And um, looking forward to hearing episode twenty one. Keep up the good work. You're gonna make a thousand listens by the end of the month all's well all right thanks everybody for listening and click those subscribe buttons if you haven't yet and share the podcast help us keep growing it thank you